Let's do this. <laughs> Three, Three, two, two one. one. Let's go! Let's give out! We back. <laughs> Here we are, man. We're coming to the end of this year we call 2020. And uh man, we we've we we brought in an incredible show, but man, before that, you're out in California. Not too far from me, but far enough where we don't get to hang out. We don't get to cheer yeah. the whiskey. We get to do this virtually. And dude, what's the latest? What's the greatest, man? What have you been up to? Dude, not much. It's just been, you know, still on that grind and then on top of that, everything just got closed down again. So now we're back in self-quarantine. So yeah, no more outdoor dining. Everything's all takeout again. And yep. you know, they're closing all these public spaces, which which I understand. The numbers are going through the roof. People are not, you know, doing their due diligence. But that's what I was gonna ask you, man. Like, is it getting closer? You know, the first go around in like February, March, April of, of 2020, it was like Oh, it was like a contact of a contact that had it. And, and you know, yeah. it was kind of distant. And then all of a sudden, it feels a lot closer this time around. Are you feeling the same thing or no? Honestly, it was a lot closer in the very beginning compared to where it is now for me. Because a couple of my neighbors got it. And our neighbor across the street, he was in the hospital for about a month on a ventilator. Like, it was it yeah. was crazy when it first started. And now it's... I, I hear more people getting it, but they're not people that are close to me. You know what I mean? Wow. Opposite for yeah. me. And that's interesting. Opposite for me. We get a lot more, a lot closer to uh, contacts and family and people getting it and uh, <clears throat> dealing with that. And, but nobody, you know, there, there has been some passed away, unfortunately, on, uh, on Jocelyn's side of the family. It's been, uh, it's, it, South Texas is just, uh, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's been very interesting results down there, man. And pretty heavy, pretty heavy for sure. Um, but anyway, so, so co we're dealing with it, man. We're shutting down. We seem like we're going to manage this situation. Grant Pierce, sir, welcome to the PBE podcast. What's it like in Vietnam, man? What, how, how did that go? Well, you were gone for the whole time almost, but hey, story for the week, for the week and a half, you've been back. Not even for the few yeah, days. Yeah, <laughs> for the for the week and a half that I've that I've actually been back. Yeah, inside uh, Vietnam is is basically wide open. I mean, other than the rules and regulations on coming into the country, uh, being quarantined for two weeks, uh, you know, wearing a mask on a plane in a mm -hmm. taxi in a, or in a crowded market, those are basically the rules that are in force. Uh, Kids are going to school. Wow. People are people are working. Uh, of course, a lot of people in the travel industry are out of work now due to uh, planes, international uh, traffic being shut down. But uh, like my flight from Hanoi to Ho Chi Minh City the other day was completely full. Uh, so people are moving around. It, it's interesting to to see going from like. Uh, Turkey to uh, Cambodia to here, you know, the different yeah. levels of, uh, of countries, man, inside here, inside here, wide open. Wow. Very interesting. Very interesting. Isn't that, isn't that interesting how it's all kind of different for each of us in this global pandemic? 
And it just kind of speaks to the complexity of it all, maybe, and like this mysterious kind of situation that some people have and their the perspectives from different folks on what this is and what's going on. It, it's so it's so different, man. And we're not all experiencing the same thing. So that's right. interesting, and it goes to this show. It really does. So, Grant, give me a second to read your bio. I hope I don't botch this completely like I classically do. <laughs> yeah, here we go. So, Grant is an American from Louisiana who has lived in Vietnam for the last 15 years. Married with Vietnamese wife and two daughters, 8 and 11. Uh, he's... He's been in the oil and gas business, completions and well intervention segment for the last 28 years. Uh, he's worked in the most prolific plays in the world from ultra deep water, Gulf of Mexico to Alaska and the US, West Africa, Angolia, Equatorial, Guyana, Nigeria, Russia, India, what the norway denmark and all the asia pacific vietnam thailand malaysia singapore indonesia wow i mean <laughs> you say how's that for a bio man your experience is incredible your story on this show is one that uh, obviously you will never forget uh, in your life but it, it it represents a lot of 2020 it really does man welcome to the show Thank you, thank you so much. And like like uh, we we've talked about before the show, the intention is, uh, you know, so many people are dealing with things in 2020, or from uh, blowback from 2020. So it's uh, not not one person uh, dealing with with all these problems. It's everybody. So it's just uh, to bring awareness up. You know, that was that was the the point of the whole point of of doing the show is to bring awareness up, you know, around, around the world, but we're by, uh, my colleague and I are, are by no means the only people that, that, uh, right. you know, this is affecting, right? Yeah, exactly, man. For me, what, what you're talking about is I, what I believe 2020 is at the end of the day. And we're almost at the end of this thing, but you said it perfectly. 2020 has raised the awareness, man. It has raised the awareness for every individual person. And whatever your experiences was of 2020, you're learning from it. If you can reflect, recycle it into motivation for 2021, there is an incredible amount of growth. There's an incredible amount of opportunity. It's exciting. We should be enthusiastic about the future. It's not doom and gloom, man. It, that's bullshit. We, it's not doom and gloom. We raised awareness. We're fucking and unplugging from the matrix we're ready to go <laughs> absolutely absolutely you know uh mindset is absolutely what controls each and everything you do mm-hmm. so it is very important to a down days are normal everybody fucking has them but yeah. it's very important to keep a, a positive mindset because uh, yeah, if you don't, then then nothing happens except for like you said, doom and gloom and bad feelings. Yeah, but, and I think I think that just goes to know. show. And and my takeaway from the show is you're seeing your 25 plus years of experience. And like you said, you have those you have those good days and you have those bad days. And I think that experience is, you know, for someone like me who younger, if I were to be step into a situation like you were in 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 nigeria i don't 
I probably would have responded totally different, but your 26 years of experience, you're able to say, Hey, let's take a step back. Like I've been in crappy situations before. Let's just like, see how we can get through this. Let's take it one step at a time. And I think that needs to be the way you approach 2021 mm-hmm. is, sure. is, For Hey, sure. we, we just need to take this one step at a time. Let's not drag our feet. Let's not blame anyone because we're all, coming out of this we're all coming out of this and you know they're greener pastures on the other side but you know i think for you especially having all that experience you know got you through this situation oh for for sure it definitely it definitely uh attributed uh to it you know myself and uh stan he's i'm 46 uh today actually is my birthday what uh, happy birthday yeah. oh <laughs> what thanks, thanks guys so podcast on my birthday as well that's the first that's the first yeah. 66 the first. episodes man yeah. <laughs> uh, so stan is uh 53 i'm 46 so we're we're pretty close to the same age and uh yeah this is we've been discussing you know the same thing uh you know it's it is of course, there are difficult things that happened uh, that shouldn't have happened. But yeah, just take a step back and uh, and who knows how you would react until you're stuck in those situations. You know, that's right. Exactly. It's uh, but but like you said, awareness that is a uh, key for sure. And it's every everybody's. I think most everybody's awareness is up around the world. You know, or a high high percentage anyway. Oh God. Yep. Uh, dog, love it. <laughs> we got a dog in the picture. Look at him. We got a dog. I don't know how we got in. <laughs> hey, you, it's it, what you said was absolutely right. It's raised awareness, and what just happened is absolute truth. A dog in your life bringing happiness. There's happiness. There's good things in this world. The simple things, man. Let's be happy with what we got. Put your shit together, and let's go forward. That's correct. Yep. Never stop, never stop moving forward. That is absolutely key. You know, you can always uh, reflect and look back and, and uh, get your, take your lessons. Of course, learn lessons from things, from things that happen, reflect back on them, but don't spend any time there, dwell in there, you know, keep uh, keep going forward. That's the, that is, uh, I don't know. That is the way that I've been living my life for, for at least the last two years, there's, there's no, there's no reason or there's no room for dwelling on things because, Hey, that's a, that's in the past. We can't change that. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they said that very well, man. Like you can't forget the past. You can't, you're, you fucking can't. Yeah. Like, it's always there. And you either think about it and you recycle it from the good. You've recycled the good back into things that you're doing today, or you think about it and it's all negative and it fucks up what you're doing today. You know, you can control that. You have control of that. And, and don't forget the past. Be brave. Be courageous. Go yeah. back into the past and recycle that thing into something that makes sense for today. Why did, that ex- why did I go through that experience? Because of this today. Or whatever the enlightenment is, man. I, I think Thanks so much to, to spend this time with you, man. I, I've really enjoyed it. Hey, I've enjoyed it thoroughly. Both of you guys. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, awesome uh, time indeed. <laughs> it's It's been a true pleasure, Grant. I mean, really, I mean, this has been 
this has been probably the, the most fun I've had in a while. So this is this was hey, like, you know, likewise, man, I've been in. I, I can't even I can't count the amount of hotel rooms that I've stayed in right now, but it's <laughs> it, it's a lot. Uh, but yeah, and thoroughly enjoyed speaking to both you, Matt and you, Troy. And yeah, I, I look forward to I'm, I'm hoping that I can do more podcasts uh, in the future. So this right. has been my, my virgin uh, run, at it, <laughs> I guess. You know? Nice. All right. We are officially starting the conception part of the show with Mr. Grant Pierce. Sir, welcome to the PBE podcast. And I, we just really want to get to know you, man. How did it all begin for you? How did your experiences with oil and gas, young man growing up in this thing? Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. Uh, first, first podcast I've I've ever done. So, uh, so I will be a newbie on this. Uh, <laughs> I've talked to the camera, of course, talking to myself many times, but uh, talking and and video chat. So, but but a podcast specific. This is the first one I've done. So here we thanks. go. Yeah, uh, yeah. I am. Uh, 46-year-old guy that grew up in, uh, in Louisiana, in uh, Shreveport, actually, uh, up, up there. Uh, and during those times, like uh, once you graduated high school and went to college or didn't go to college, you were either worked as a farmer or you worked in oil and gas. And, uh, <laughs> and oil and gas was, was where some of my friends went, and that's also where I ended up uh, right after my senior year in high school. Wow. Uh, so it was just one of those things like within university. I also worked for that same, uh, electric wireline company, you know, during summers and after, after class and in between breaks and all that. So I started, uh, basically quite early working in, uh, in oil and gas and rather than finish university, I actually discontinued working in oil and gas. And that's, that's what I've done for, well, my last 28 years. This what was year. the first gig, man? What was the first job out in oil and gas? Uh, electric wireline job as a, as a, as a rigger, you know, just getting all the equipment set up for, oh. for like a perforating job, uh, pipe recovery, you know, I was I was looking at those things pretty pretty early in in, in life, building setting tools and things like that. You know, yeah. and this was all onshore Louisiana when you first. Started. Yeah, this is all uh, where the company that I worked for they covered uh, North Louisiana, East Texas, okay. uh, Southern Arkansas. So so in those three states, basically. Oh, Damn, um, you're 18, 19 years old, just running, running around, getting paid, <laughs> making right. making a living. And you were trying at right. first. You were doing college and work, and then you were like, "All right, I'm done with college. I'm getting. I'm. I'm just gonna climb pretty, this ladder." Yeah, yeah, pretty much. You know, and and I don't have any. Uh, I don't have any regrets behind that because uh, I've learned so much, uh, mm -hmm. and this business has taken me so far and taught me so much. So the experience certainly outweighs those, uh, that degree, uh, that, I, that would have taken me two more years. Right. To, to exactly. That for. first, that first hand, I mean, you could talk about it all you want in the classroom, but until you're on the site and actually handling those tools and, you know, you're seeing those problems firsthand, that's where you learn. Absolutely. Absolutely. Agree. 
I, uh, I stayed up in North Louisiana, uh, for a couple of more years. I mo actually moved into, uh, into frack and stimulation because that was a big thing. Uh, there were, you know, Halliburton, BJ services, uh, Slumberjay had three major, uh, yards in Bossier city, Shreveport, Bossier city. So that was a, uh, that was a t also a time when fracturing was, was starting, you know, the, the, sh the shale revolution hadn't started yet, but, but it was in its infancy. You could say yeah. Early there was a lot of frack work going on. Early so I joined, uh, I joined uh, BJ and for a year I, I learned uh, frack. And after uh, after a year there, a friend of mine and myself were speaking. Guy that also worked there together. And he said, "Hey, do you what do you think about going to work uh, offshore in the Gulf of Mexico? We can go get on with Halliburton, and we can we can sort of help with their uh, frack stuff." And I said, "Yeah, let's go." What was the so difference? Was, pay? Know, what was the difference in sorry? pay on that? How, what was the scale difference in pay on that? Uh, well, I can remember, uh, at BJ in 95, 96, making $7, 75 an hour, you know, that was the pay scale then because we, back then, and like there is now, you know, there was a minimum wage set. And we weren't, uh, because we worked so many hours a week, I mean, we would do like 80 hours in one week on the clock. Shit. It was a ridiculous amount of hours. Uh, so it was, a, it was a very low hourly pay, but you got so many hours that it was like time and a half or something, you know? Yeah. That you, you, made, you made a living, but, but it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't a living like to, that you would want to do continuously waking up yeah. at two o'clock every morning working until six in the evening you know like that pretty pretty long days mm -hmm. shit man okay so now you're gonna go offshore you're like i'm i'm into this yeah yeah so i i did me and uh one of my my friends that i was telling you about this that i discussed that with moved down to uh lafayette well we went we went and spoke to the operations manager that ran uh, production enhancement pumping in, in uh, New Iberia. And he basically hired us on the spot. And we found a place in Lafayette and we moved our, our stuff down there and, uh, and went to work for Halliburton. And that was, that was in 95. So soon there was like another downturn a mini downturn in there. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and we got to a point where Halliburton were basically cutting back hours, you know, to a minimum. And they, they didn't want to transfer anybody out. They wanted to hold on to the experience that they had. So I had an opportunity to go to work for core lab, uh, ah, cool. pro technics, which was one of their divisions, uh, meter and radioactive tracer. And, uh, and, and also running their login tools during a stimulation job, cement jobs. Basically, it's a it's an evaluation technique. You pump radioactive sand with their sand or with the cement, and then you can see after where that where that uh, material goes, right? Mm -hmm. So you can evaluate whether your completions or uh, cement jobs, et cetera, are, are doing what they're supposed to. So I I made 
I spent seven more years with those guys in the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, and that's, that's wow. the company that I actually started working deep water and, and ultra deep water with and spending much time uh, offshore. Halliburton was my first, uh, my first year, year and a few months in the Gulf of Mexico. Um, walk me through, was, walk me through a hitch. Is it a hitch 14 days or something out on an offshore rig? How does that, you're getting helicoptered out to this thing, dropped on yeah. the platform. How does that, can you, can you let us all know kind of how that actually kind of goes? Sure. Uh, <laughs> it depends on the country you're in these days. Uh, but I mean, I can remember days in the Gulf of Mexico where, it was either a helicopter out and, you know, which is showing up to a, an airport that's in, in layman's terms, a small airport and watching half an hour of safety videos on that specific aircraft. And what, what happens if you need to ditch the aircraft, you know, emergency uh -huh. situations, what if those come up, you know, you go through a safety briefing, just like a, just like a, any safety briefing before a job. Yeah. Um, then you're given either a, a life vest uh, or you're made to put on a full uh, survival suit. Like I said, it just, just depends on, you know, whether you're in a cold area of the world or a tropical area. You're not going to put a tropical in a tropical area. You're not going to put a, a full survival suit on because well, you'll you'll probably die of heat exhaustion when you go in the water, but but you'll definitely have some type of life vest and maybe a rebreather or something attached to you that you can use in the event of an emergency. Maybe you can change the way I feel about helicopters, but I've been in helicopters a few times in my life, and I I always think it doesn't feel like we're supposed to be doing this. It feels like the guy's just constantly like trying to fucking not crash the thing. <laughs> well, <I'll laughs> where were you, you where were you in this helicopter? <laughs> That's like an old I'll Vietnam tell, like actually, Huey pilot or something? Like <laughs> actually I actually I am uh, I am to the point where I can go into a helicopter and go to sleep now. I mean, I won't be <laughs> sleeping totally. I will be uh, that much uh, uh, you know, I'll be aware of what's happening just by the feel in the helicopter. But I, but I literally can, can rest. Uh, most of the, the pilots that were in the Gulf of Mexico early days, and I, and I'm, uh, I know a lot of them still are ex uh, Vietnam vet yeah, pilots, you know, they're guys who are, uh, who are flown through some shit. So <laughs> yeah. taking a simple flight out to uh, a rig, you know, in some just dealing with weather, that is, that is like a, a cakewalk for these yeah, guys. So, that's a walk in the park. Yeah, you just have to trust that of the, the company and and the people that are doing the maintenance, basically. Yeah. You know, and most uh, most of these guys that are flying are ex vets from whatever country they're from. So so they're uh, they're staying on top of the maintenance uh, yeah. people too. How long is the chopper flight to the platform? Uh, it depends. I've gone, you know, anywhere from 20 minutes to two hours. Wow. Those two hour ones, you know, those are like, uh, from Venice, maybe, uh, what, what would it be like 200 nautical miles out, you know, very far out deep water stuff that, yeah, that's, there that's that ultra deep stuff. Around. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 
All right. So now you got a four. Is it fourteen day hitch, or how did you guys do it, or how? What was uh, in, in those days? We were just we were working like uh, uh, sixteen and four, or or sometimes we got. I, I think we got to a point where we were working twenty one and seven. Wow. Uh, we worked with Protechnics. We just took a weekend off or whatever when we could. We didn't have a uh, a set schedule. We 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 had like three guys in each department doing similar jobs so we basically helped each other out and rotated around so so one guy or two guys could have off and while the other guys were working etc so as long as the job was getting done that was what was yeah exactly what's the size of these things i've never really thought about how big it seems like about a half a football field by a half a football field in size or bigger than that you yeah like a semi uh a semi sub would be would be like that but like the uh the discover discover enterprise which i was on for for a couple of years when bp was drilling uh atlantis and thunder horse uh it was four football fields long and what was it wide i want to say it was a half a football field wide what this is a ship right this is a drill ship but yeah i mean massive uh the the, i can remember the first time stepping onto that off the helicopter like you know when you see when you don't see the other end of the ship from (laughs) from the heliport you land on the bridge. Up like, wow, that's a that's a big place. Yeah. Wow, is that the same uh, deal that got got all fucked up in the Gulf of Mexico in 2007? Uh, or is that not the same? That was, was a, that was that was a semi sub. Yeah, that was that was a a semi sub. I'm talking about a drill, like a, an actual ship. Okay. A drill okay. ship, which is drilling in the deepest the deepest waters, but uh, but they're just similar uh, similar setups. Uh, like the one that went down in the Gulf of Mexico, easily uh, close to a football field square, wow. all the way around. Yeah, they're big. Uh, they are big units. Wow. Nothing. Nothing small about them. Wow. How does the shifts actually work? Is it twenty four seven on call when, you, or is it twelve on twelve off with partners? Yeah, it depends. Like uh, the 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 core crews, like the rig crews and the uh, the operator, uh, usually have people on. It's twenty four hour operations, and they usually will have yeah a twelve hour shift of crew, a twelve another twelve hour shift, a night and a day shift, mm-hmm. and then your uh, your service companies will come in and depending on what services they need to provide, they might provide also two shifts or they just might provide one, you know, it just depends on the length of, uh, of operation, how long they're, how long they're actually going to be working. Yeah. And, uh, and so when you're on this hitch, you got someone cooking your food the whole time, or is it all like microwave food? How does like the logistics of, you know, living quarters and how does that look? No, it's a, it's like a fully sustained, uh, what would you, uh, it's a, basically a fully sustained small city on the water you know some uh, some of these uh, this is not all places you know from the smallest jack up on up to the to the ship but some of these places have stores where you can buy you know maybe a uh, something that you you couldn't normally take from the galley you have it's like a, a hotel you have three meals a day that are served 
uh, salad bar normally, uh, different, you know, different foods for each meal. Um, then in between, there, there's always food provided. Uh, there's a Box crew there that, uh, that washes clothes. Wow. That, that actually keeps the, the inside of the quarters clean. Wow. Uh, change, changes your bed sheets, you know, cleans the bathroom and all this, uh, wow. all this stuff. So there's a whole, there's a whole crew of people just taking care of, of everything basically. Yeah. Incredible. How about the movement? Is the thing kind of like rocking and, and moving? Uh, they are these days. It, it depends, obviously, if you're working in, in the west of Shetlands in the North Sea, then yeah, during stormy <laughs> season, it gets uh, it can get a little bit rocky, but they're pretty, they're actually pretty, pretty stable. Uh, I can remember early Gulf of Mexico days, some of the drill ships uh, that were then maybe built in the, in the 70s, uh, they would rock. Uh, from side to side, it felt like you were just going port starboard, you know, all almost listing all the way over without without just uh, going under. So, but but these ships these days, they don't they don't uh, beat you like that. I mean, they they are very stable. Uh, so much weight, you know, in, in, involved in one of these things, and so much uh, also water ballasted in inside the uh, either the pontoons or in the hull to be able to keep things stable. So, so how much longer do you do this until you become kind of the consultant and, and kind of your, your career really sets up? Uh, I, I went to work for a, a company called Welltech, a Danish based company and in 97, no, sorry, 2000, 2005. And that job took me, uh, internationally, pretty quickly uh first to angola then to uh india well in between first first to vietnam uh where i still am uh into india malaysia uh equatorial guinea sakhalin that's when uh that's when i really started moving around uh, i wasn't even consulting at that time i was I worked for those guys for uh, for almost a decade, for still nine focused, years and, and something. Focused on fracking still? still a no, uh, actually, uh, horizontal well intervention. Uh, basically doing what a coil tubing can do do with, uh, with uh, electric hydraulic tools. Some uh, advanced, advanced technology at the time, and uh, that's a, a sort of – always worked for companies that were in except for you know frack which is a pretty general uh these days uh, I've, I've generally always worked for niche companies that that sort of are leading edge technology mm -hmm. so yeah i went to i went to work for welltech and i stayed with those guys for like i said nine years and something and uh they sent me around the world you know two-year so, so contracts so I got I got I got to ask uh, I got to ask that from going from Louisiana to the Gulf to all of a sudden now you've basically checked every country off of your passport. Well not every country, yeah. but you put a ton of countries on your passport. What was that like? I mean experiencing awesome. those different cultures, I mean the way awesome. these these countries run their businesses. I mean that's yeah. that in itself uh, completely eye-opening. Um uh, my 
colleagues in Angola, which was, Luanda was my first uh, international country to go to, okay. West Africa. And my colleagues were all Danish. And, uh, and they said after, you know, after a month of us being together, because we worked uh, four weeks there, four weeks home. Yeah. And we always had sort of some overlap with all the same guys, you know, maybe two weeks with one guy, one week with another guy, yeah. five days with another guy. And they'd said to me, man, you're not like a normal American guy. You have you been traveling before? And I said, oh, what do you mean? And they said, because you're you listen to what we're saying and you're not just you're not just trying to put your ideas on us. You have an open mind. And I said, no, man, this is my first, uh, this is my first country, but I needed to come here with an open mind to try to, yeah, try to understand all this. Yeah. I mean, uh, you need to understand those but, different perspectives. But I've, right? uh, working, I tell you, going, uh, going to all those countries have, uh, has really opened my mind on how business is done you know, so many places mm -hmm. it's given me, uh, yeah, it's, it's built me basically. Mm. I wouldn't have, uh, I think if I uh, definitely, if I wouldn't have taken that job and gone to work for those guys, I wouldn't have had the opportunities that I've had to, to live in, uh, all these multiple countries, you know, and experience all these cultures yeah. and see how different people do things. It's given me, I, I, I think I would say a unique perspective, compared to people even that just travel out for vacation and, you know, they oh, may yeah. go to multiple countries, but, but not to live there and work and see how everything yeah. is. Uh, there, there's a difference between traveling somewhere for pleasure or for business, right? You don't, Correct. you don't really understand the nitty gritty of a place until you live there and you understand, okay, this is how things are done. Not I stayed in this resort or this hotel. <laughs> I ate at these nice restaurants and then we went yes. and saw this, you know, band or musician blah 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 it's like that's that's not the culture that's uh you know <laughs> you can do that that's anywhere. the tourist that's the tourist trail correct oh, yeah how do you land in vietnam uh my contract was ending uh in like what was it oh two days before christmas in uh 2007 and i was heading home my contract in India was beginning in like March of 2008. So I had a few months um, and they asked me, would I come stop in Vietnam to do a job on my way home? And I thought, yeah, sure. I'll probably never go to Vietnam in my life. So why not? So I, uh, I, I stopped here, arrived here. Uh, what was it? The 23rd actually. Uh, and then, yeah, we, we, of course we, the Vietnamese and there is a Catholic community here, so they do celebrate Christmas a little bit. I mean, you know, they don't make a huge production of it. It's more for the, uh, for the tourist type of thing, <laughs> but you know, they, I, we had like a Christmas dinner at a local hotel with my colleagues and, uh, and the job that was supposed to last like two weeks lasted three months. So I got a, uh, a longer immersion than I expected. Mm -hmm. And I basically, uh, I, I never left after that. I mean, I lived in, I lived in Malaysia only because, uh, 
that while I was here that three months, I'd already decided to base myself in Malaysia uh, while I worked in India. So I'd already taken uh, an apartment there, already paid for it, already paid the deposit and all that. So so after uh, the job finished here, I went to Malaysia for that for about a year. But my girlfriend, then, who is now my wife of uh, 11 years, she went with Malaysia or to Malaysia with me as well while I worked in India. So after that, we came back here because it really made no sense for us to be in Malaysia when uh, when we were building a Vietnamese family. So, wow. so yeah, it's been an interesting interesting trip to get here for sure and so what do you do what have you been doing for the last 11 years or how did that go is you know 2007 then all of a sudden you're like whoa i'm you know this is where i'm at that's what i'm doing this is years down the line what did what did you ultimately develop into specializing in sure so uh i actually continued for for another seven years uh working with Welltech and and traveling around the world um, moved, moved into management, um, built some, lots of leadership skills. Uh, I was region technical manager for Asia Pacific. So I covered all the countries in Asia Pacific and India, Australia, Bangladesh, China. So I did an awful lot of traveling, uh, in those last years with Welltech. Uh, and then 2000, 14, I decided, you know, I've done this for a little more than 20 years already since the early nineties. And it was, I thought it's time to consult. It's time to do something on my own. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I turned in my resignation and, you know, I had, had some, some months to relax and, but I knew my next move was to, to, uh, to start my own consulting firm and, and work my work on my own. Um, so the end of 2015, I started working together with, uh, with a friend of mine who were building a subsea light well intervention vessel. And they needed to bring some, some well site supervisors on and some superintendents for some subsea work. And yeah, I quickly jumped on to that opportunity and learned that part of the business, though I had been working subsea type of work uh, many years already. This is sort of specialization, you know, with a specific uh, vessel or, or ship mm-hmm. made specifically for subsea well intervention. Mm-hmm. And so I... Uh, I helped build that vessel and got that vessel uh, ready for operations. And then the 2015 hit everybody like it uh, did. Well, it hit everybody around the world and the company I was working for did some layoffs. And of course, being a contractor, we were the, we were the first to be let go. And that was my, actually my first time uh, in a, uh, downturn to, to be let go. And, uh, well, that was also the time that I realized that job security is just, a uh, is not a real thing. It's, you know, it's, 
it's a thing, a thought we got in our minds that something is secure, but it's not, that's not a true uh, thought. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Also uh, learned a lot of, learned a lot of lessons uh, there about, you know, I'm, I made a decision to become a contractor at the wrong time. <laughs> hey, that's a, that is all hindsight, right? Yeah. You know, you can't, you can't do anything about hindsight. So no. you just have to keep going forward and, and figuring things out. And so I had a, uh, when those guys laid off after, after about a year that I was there with them, uh, or released us, I had a, a contract with Oxy and Oman that I had signed and they needed to sign for two years. And, uh, and the oil prices, they just kept dragging and dragging and, uh, and they canceled after three months. They said, oh, we, you know, we can't hire right now. So it's been an interesting uh, path, uh, oil and gas wise. But yeah, after after say uh, 2016, there were probably about 10 months in there where where I was hunting and uh, looking at different angles uh, pretty hard. Uh, then I, I could pick some work up and went back to work in Qatar. Uh, first time in the Middle East, though I'd been in India. Uh, I spent almost two years working offshore and desert uh, locations there. So some very extreme temperatures. Like when I experienced 54, I didn't actually think that was 54 Celsius. I didn't actually think that that was a temperature that was possible, like at all. But when I walked out in it, I was like, fuck, this is a real thing. People for, do work yeah, for the people that don't, I'll just this is just for listeners that don't realize that is like 130 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, that is yeah. like insane temperatures. <laughs> that was for me. I'm thinking, I was calculating, I'm like, that's fucking hot. Yeah. I didn't know it was that hot. Yeah, that's hot. Yeah, it man. is, it I, is uh, insane. <laughs> it is. I agree. I agree 100%. <laughs> oh. I've never experienced that, thankfully. I was going to say, I think the most they got to in Midland was what, like <laughs> 120, 115? Hey, yeah. Yeah. It's still hot, that's but I mean, is. once you get over that 110 threshold, every degree is just like a, you know, you're just like melting a little bit more. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Gosh, dude. That's insane. Oh. And so I mean when you're when you're out there in those conditions are you is this like on the site or is this just I mean I'm I'm assuming there's some kind of air conditioning cuz there's no possible way to be an effective uh, you, employee. Like, you you are limited to how long you can be outside or okay. how long you need to uh, at least go in the shade with a porta cool fan and drink water for 10 minutes you know you can like when uh, the levels get that high, they, they have like a, a red flag, yellow flag, red flag, black flag system on the site. And they go, yeah. okay, you can work for uh, 10 minutes. You come inside for 20 minutes and, and drink water. I like get was, mm -hmm. yeah, Qatar, that is the only place that I've worked in so far in the Middle East that, that does that. But I understand that most countries there... Uh, they have a system like that you know the the oil companies have a system like that in place yeah. or the, the drilling contractor have a have a system built into their safety regs that say you're only allowed x amount of time because yeah it's it's pretty i mean i i just loaded a basket one day and uh 
in 54. And it was like five minutes of just moving a couple of pallets, you know, I could have easily done that in normal, <laughs> a normal uh, temperature range. And just doing that and going back inside, just completely soaked and just, yeah, it trains you, trains you quick. Man. All right. So let's, uh, we could transition. I, I want to ask this. You mentioned job security and like, there's no such thing. Or it's like, it's not a, you know, it's not a real thing. I want to end the conception part of kind of, of going that a little bit deeper from your perspective and, and putting that in some, some other terms. Cause I think there's a lot of people right now that are going, Whoa, I thought I had job security. Uh, I was just with this company for 11 years and I just got the note, you know what I mean? And now yeah. it's, you know, where, where am I going from here? Uh, so let's, let's do that. And then we'll transition into the drill down. Okay. Yeah, no, here's, here's what I, uh, here's what I, I think about work and, uh, and job security. You, you need to do the best job that you can and strive to do the best job that you can all the time, every time, no matter what. Yeah. Because your reputation is everything. I mean, it's everything that you got and, and yeah, and your mindset is, is obviously very important uh, part of that. But, you know, I've ex experienced working for, I, or I did experience working full-time contracts, you know, full-time employee for lots of large companies and small companies. And also as an independent consultant and made it through some very rough downturns where people next to me were losing their jobs, you know? So, so I always, as a, as a younger guy, always had this notion that my job was secure because I was doing, I was busting my ass. My reputation was good. I was being requested by clients, et cetera. But I, I, I think that's simply a perception that we have that that yeah it, it's not a it's not a negative perception per se but I, I think we have all seen you know over the last year time or i've seen it from 2015 to now uh the amount of people in the oil and gas business that uh that have been cut you know experience lost and a lot of experience lost that won't come back simply because they now have found something where they're home every night that's not the ups and downs that's enough for them to uh get by on so it's it's uh, it's actually unfortunate uh what's what's transpired but uh, but i guess it's also the uh what what would you call it like the circle of life of of the way these yeah. uh it's it's the know, nature just, of the beast it is the nature of the beast. Correct. Yeah. Grant, man, uh, really enjoyed the conception part of that show. I really did. And, and just like Skip said, learned a ton and got to know you and, uh, and then knowing a little bit more since we've reached out and kind of cross paths through LinkedIn and kind of, and watching these videos, watching your posts, I'm going, Oh my gosh, man. I mean, the, the, this is the, the wildest story of 2020 that, that I heard. Uh, it really is. So, so please, you, do you have the, uh, the document in front of you? You want to go through the timeline or how, how do you want to do that? I can share my screen and, and you can see. Yeah, I've got it. No, I've got it. Uh, I've got it here in front of me. So I'll just, uh, I'll just walk through it as well. 
So early, early 2020, um, started looking at a light well intervention uh, campaign for Shell Nigeria. Um, and made contact with the well operations managers in, in Shell and, and uh, got my name and, and my colleague and friend's name uh, who I've worked with in the past, who also lives here in the same city in Vietnam. Uh, got our CVs in front of the guy and <clears throat> well, got, got hired on by a subcontract agent or by a contract agency for Shell Nigeria. Uh, that would have been mid mid February. What's well, the, by the time, sorry to interrupt already, but what ahead. what's the role of a contract? Uh, you know, man, this this, uh, this specific role would, would were uh, well site supervisors for a well intervention campaign where uh, Helix Energy Solutions is going to bring their new rig semi-submersible Q7000 over and they're going to intervene in, in a well, a sub multiple subsea wells. And uh, we are going to be the guys for who represent shell to oversee the work, to make sure the work is, is done correctly, etc. Got it. So uh, we get our contracts and we get signed and at that point, we start our, our visa uh, acquisition, which means we need to go to Hanoi. Uh, we live in the south. So we, we get those visas uh, done uh, a bit hard due to COVID already sort of uh, rearing its head. Uh, right, because you're... Yeah, you're this, near is, this, is early, this is early March, right? So yeah, okay. there's already wind of uh, you're, you're hearing things in the news and the embassies here, they started being, uh, they started shutting down the foreign embassies. They started shutting down uh, because they didn't want, you know, to take the chance of passing COVID around to their embassy people. Mm -hmm. So uh, we had a little bit of a tough time getting a visa, but we were, very persistent. Uh, I mean, we showed up at their embassy when they told us not to and banged on the door because we would, we had already paid uh, the visa fees for one and for two, uh, basically it would have been a missed opportunity to go to work, uh, you know, for shell. Yeah. Altogether if we didn't have those visas. So we, uh, we persisted and we actually got the visas, uh, last minute uh flew off to nigeria on march 12th uh arrived in lagos the 13th which was a friday morning and uh yeah very uneventful i mean west africa in general is uh can be a chaotic place and Nigeria is no different. I mean, there's a, a lot of people, there's a lot of open markets, a lot of people in the street. You know, you see a, a wide variety of uh, people in different states, very busy place, you know. Uh, our agent uh, picked us up from the airport, so there was no hiccups. 
they had already started uh, temperature checking people as they came into the country. So there was some COVID, COVID-esque protocols in place, you know. Uh, they weren't. They wouldn't let anybody to in in any building without checking temperature. So they were aware of uh, of things happening around the world. Um, yeah, the first first day that we we got into uh, Legos, we rode around in our SUV or in our uh, agent's SUV while he tried to acquire us a hotel because he didn't have the place to stay booked yet, which was, uh, that was the first sort of hiccup. Yeah. But, you know, first day, first day in, and both, both of us, myself and Stan, we're, we're close to 30 year uh, experience guys. So we've been into a lot of uh, shitty situations and, 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 <laughs> and also good situations. So we didn't think, Okay. Any, you know, there was no negative yeah. thoughts going at that time. Just it's like, right, we're going to find, we're going to find a hotel room. It, who knows when we're going to find a hotel something. room eventually. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we, he basically told us, Hey, look, it's the weekend. You guys have been flying, take a rest. Uh, finally got us a room through, uh, through shell Nigeria. They booked us a room in there where they put their contractors and, uh, and yeah, just uh, went to our, found our, took a rest for the weekend. And I also, I have contacts with uh, Helix and I knew the guys that were there, the project managers, et cetera, the guys that we were actually going to be working hand in hand with. Uh, so I made contact with them and uh, met their project manager over the weekend in the hotel and yeah, started getting ready for what was what we thought was going to be like a normal uh, rotation of four weeks, do some front end planning in, uh, in town and the next hitch come back and, and go offshore and, and actually perform the, the well operation work. Uh, but things started coming down, you know, with, uh, with COVID pretty heavy. Uh, I think it was on like, Monday even when we went to meet Shell, uh, they had already started their work from home routines. So they were already putting in place uh, protocols, which which were gonna stall the work. Uh, I mean, even when we flew in, uh, they already had, Shell already had international travel bans uh, in place. So the well ops managers weren't in country, they were at home. Uh, they had to give permission for us to actually fly in to be brought in due to those travel bans in place due to COVID. So it was already a, uh, even when, you know, the, the, the day that we flew in, it was, things were already in place to, to protect people, which were, which were going to work in these places. So yeah. Uh, interesting time to fly into a country. <laughs> uh, but, and, and certainly not expected that things would go in this long, but so, so we spend, uh, like, I guess we, we went to meet shell and, uh, we met our, our subsea team lead on Monday. And, and he told us we're going to move ahead with planning for this project. You guys just stay in the hotel for now. Uh, because we are doing work from home routines. There's no reason to expose people if we don't have to. 
Yeah. Um, we'll just email you all the details uh, on our on our plan. When we do have meetings, we'll get you in. So yeah, no no problem. So we stayed working from the hotel for that first week, uh, with uh, just very little uh, talk at all from our agent, our contract agent, which was. By that point, it wasn't really surprising. He, I mean, he's the type of guy that doesn't answer the phone, doesn't answer emails, except for maybe after badgering him hundred hundred times. God. Just not really on top of uh, his business. Yeah. So we didn't hear much from him during that whole week, um, except that he had taken our passports and sent our passports to Abuja, which is another uh, the, another major city in Nigeria, where they're uh, embassy, uh, yeah, consulate department lies that actually issues green cards and uh, work visas and and this this sort of thing, right? And that's pretty common. Yeah. That's pretty. Yeah, common. yeah, it is. Uh, a, a a lot of countries, uh, at least with my experience in West Africa, you come in on like a temporary visa, a short term visa, and then you give your passport in, and they. They basically give you a work permit, a green card, uh, like sort of like resident sta- status. It's you know, so you're a tax basically. So you're a uh, you're a tax citizen. You're working there for six months, and whoever pays those taxes, whether it be you or the company, you're you're listed as a tax citizen. So yeah, that is that is normally how it uh, how it goes. Okay. Yeah. So the only, uh, so, so basically we stayed in a hotel during that, during that first week up until that Thursday anyway. Um, and the, the, the next point was we were going to be moved into a, a apartment or shell two estate. It's like a apartment community, which normally, uh, expatriates who are residents in the country live there, you know, families. It's hmm. not a, it's not a place where where the single guys would be put or contractors would normally be put. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's like a family uh, gated community. There's no stores. There's no shops. You know, you can't just walk out and and go to the Seven Eleven. You're in <laughs> sort of the middle of uh, at night with look what looks like a very bad area of town in Lagos. So, uh, so being parked over there was, was a bit strange. Also considering we didn't have our car and driver, which we were contracted to have for the entire length. So things were, uh, things were a little bit off, you could say. Mm -hmm. Uh, we, but we went, we moved into that apartment and, and that was, at, at that time, like it was towards the end of that first week. So you, uh, COVID news was getting like pretty hot and heavy everywhere in the world at that point. Yeah. Uh, Vietnam were, were already talking about closing, closing its doors uh, and not no specifics yet, but things were, things were happening at a very fast pace. Um, so we were, we were actually, we, we brought it up to the, to our agent a few times. Hey, look, man, what, what happens when this gets canceled? Because it's coming. Don't worry about that. This is, that's not happening. Okay. But I am going to worry about that. We are worried about that because, uh, 
if things close and this cancels, what's going to happen? You know, proper prior planning prevents piss poor performance. <laughs> so I'm a diehard believer in that. Yeah, you got it nailed. Yeah. So uh, that weekend before Nigeria closed on the 20, let's see, I think we left the 23rd. Yeah, when Nigeria closed on the 23rd. So the 21st, 22nd, uh, 20th, 21st, 22nd, we, we stayed in this apartment complex, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, this estate gated community. Um, on Saturday, we were out, actually out by the community pool and barbecuing just the two of us and the, uh, the asset manager for the apartment that works for Shell Nigeria. He came to us and he said, basically, what the hell are you guys doing here? Uh, we're evacuating mandatory evacuation on Monday. Uh, the buses are picking everybody up. Contact your agent. Give me your uh, contract holder's name. I'll get a hold of him. And so we uh, attempted to contract contact our agent. Couldn't get a hold of him. Uh, Sunday, same thing from the same guy. Um, we did talk to the, our shell subsea lead at that time and he said yeah this is happening we need to we need to speak to your agent same uh same same sort of uh, mo though can't get in touch well monday uh 8 30 we got a phone call from from our team lead and he said we are evacuating today some way somehow that complex is shutting down the buses are picking all the people up. You guys need to get out of there. So hmm. let's get a hold of your agent and figure out a way. So we uh, finally got a hold of Henry. And he was still very nonchalant, saying the complex there is not closing. Leave your bags. <sighs> and we went, no, fuck off. <laughs> We we already had our. You, you clearly packed. are. You clearly are so disconnected from this situation that you know. Correct. <laughs> so oh we uh we got our car, which we we had actually attained over that last weekend we were there, and uh, we got to his office, and yeah uh, yeah just chaos, no uh, tickets booked. Uh, we had to, we were put on the phone with their travel agent to figure out routing how we were going to get uh, at least next door to Vietnam. Uh, Shell asked us if we could go to the U.S. and we said, no, uh, <laughs> absolutely not. We don't have any ties there. I mean, we've been in Vietnam both 12 to 15 years. Bank accounts here, families here, house here. Mm -hmm. This is our point of origin and that's where we're going to go back to like, you know, uh, so we, we figured out, uh, the best routing was, was like from, uh, Nigeria to Turkey to Qatar through Thailand and finally into Cambodia. <laughs> uh, but unfortunately, and, and we, and we got those tickets. But unfortunately, once we got to Turkey, um, we didn't have COVID tests, PCR tests. We didn't have insurance, health insurance, which our agent was supposed to take out for us the week before that we filled out paperwork for already. So we were basically uh, we were basically stuck. 
oh we we got to Turkey and the next morning we got to uh, Turkey and and we had to take a uh, visa actually to transit over to the other airport because the uh, travel agent didn't inform us that we needed to switch airports in Turkey. Uh, so that was like Dude, the this first... might be the worst agent of all time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely not in the uh, in the top percentile of quality. <laughs> um, give me. A... So we landed in. We we finally got over to this other airport, and actually, uh, it was an eight hour wait. So we we waited our eight hours and. On the check-in process, basically, you know, of course, the, they know who's coming through. You know, the the agent, the booking agent who's there checking people in, she knows what kind of issues that she's going to be facing. So as soon as she sees us in business class stepping up, she goes, oh, you're Grant Pierce, you're Stanley. Uh, do you have PCR tests? Do you have 50000 in health insurance? Because if not, you can't transit Bangkok which means you're going to get stuck in the airport. And we're like, whoa, what can we do? And she says, well, what you can do is remain here and wait. And your ticket's still open. Or you can try to fly to maybe Hong Kong, uh, where they're also uh, turning away American passengers American passports at this point. What so we just made a quick decision and said, okay, we're going to stay in Turkey until this thing calms down. But like, yeah, two days later, then Turkey closed their airspace and, uh, and all their borders in between all their uh, regions in the country. So things came locked down, you know, worldwide, very like at a very quick rate. Oh, so so uh, I, that that's interesting. So they wouldn't let you fly because you didn't have fifty thousand dollars in health insurance. That was was that the and pr- and, and, and then what was the other and, thing? And no uh, COVID tests. No and no COVID. Tests. <laughs> so yes. I was gonna say I, is <laughs> I, I mean obviously I've done zero international travel since all this like started happening. But have you is that from like friends that you've talked to or, you know, other people flying out, is that something that was pretty standard or is that something that was kind of a curveball? No, that was something that was, uh, that, that, uh, Thai airways or that, that Thailand threw up at the last minute, you know, before anybody else did, they started requiring people who even transited their airport to have a COVID test and health insurance to cover in case you came there and you were sick and you got infected other people, right? That is something that's at play now internationally in most countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it wasn't, you know, that was the very beginning. So I was going to say they hopped on that very, very quick. They mm-hmm. kind of threw a cart. Well, they did throw a curveball because had we known that we wouldn't have, have even booked that flight, right? Yeah. We wouldn't have taken the flight because we couldn't, we would have known then. We can't go through there. Yeah. Wow. So, so what the heck? Okay. Now I'm locked in. <laughs> you're stuck. So you're, mm. are you in the airport still? Or I mean, are you like uh, we, perusing we can, around? We can, go out, we can go outside. We can go outside the airport. We're, uh, we're in, uh, we're in Turkey now. 
Uh, I was going to say, so you're in Istanbul or? Uh, yeah, we're an hour and we're an hour and a half outside Istanbul okay. at a place called uh, Sabia. This is where the other uh, airport, airport is. Airport, gotcha. Uh, but we went, we landed in Istanbul, and then we then we rode on a bus to uh, Sabia, which is yeah, an hour and a half away. Gotcha. So I have uh, I have some some good friends or a good friend uh, from Azerbaijan, and uh, and he has a brother that has. And they have contacts in Turkey. So uh, he, I was actually talking to him when we were in the airport. He said, don't worry. I'm going to tell my friends to take care of you guys. They'll, oh, uh, awesome. they'll tell you what place is safe to go, you know, what area is okay, not, not okay. So, and if you need help speaking to people, I can, I can help you. Said, yeah, no problem. So, uh, so we just got a hotel that night right by the airport and, uh, and started watching the news, which was all – oh shit everywhere in the world <laughs> and uh we saw the cases coming up in istanbul and what they were talking about on the news and they were talking about like shutting the city down lockdown type of thing so uh we we thought the best thing for us to do is find a city on the coast where there's not a lot of people right now and just go there fly there before airspace in turkey completely closes yeah. Uh, so that next morning we went back, we got our Turkish friend who we just met, uh, to pick us up and take us back to the airport in Istanbul. And we flew to this place called a uh, Bodrum. It's on the Aegean coast. It's like Greek, you know, just right across from Greece. Uh, nice. Yeah, it, it would be, uh, or it is a, a beautiful place. Uh, especially when it's open, <laughs> you know, when things are fully shut down, it's a bit strange to be the, to be the people there, but, but it was, uh, yeah. So we, we, we took our, we flew ourselves or we, you know, we arranged our own way there because when I called the agent, uh, when we had this hiccup the night before, you know, saying we can't proceed, we're stuck in Turkey. He just kind of went, uh, I, I don't know what to do. So, it's either you do it yourself or 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 you're you're sort of mind fucked, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. That <laughs> so I, we I... went out to uh we we got actually out to Bodrum or down to Bodrum from where we were. Uh and that following day, uh with the help of our Turkish friend, you know, arranging a hotel for us and making sure Things were still open because there were a lot of places that were already shut down, especially hotels. Uh, and we uh, we flew to Bodrum, and the next morning, uh, airspace closed, and over all of Turkey, and all the borders between the cities and the regions, they all closed. Uh, so we we were yeah we were stuck there, but we didn't think that things would extend out so drastically like they did. It was a nice place, nice temperature. Uh, yeah, some some things to walk around and see, etc. So, so you know, things were uh, things were quite different in in the first month versus nine months uh, nine months later. So, I guess uh, that would land in land in there would probably be about the point that we started getting concerned uh, that we needed to 
uh, speak to our agent about being paid for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Because what we what we had was was basically uh, our days in our time in country, our, tr- our travel, plus a thirty day cancellation uh, fee, which was written into our our contracts. Mm-hmm. So that was that was agreed. You know, the the day that we left Nigeria, basically what we were told from Shell, your contract is, the work is suspended, it's canceled, the contract's canceled for now. When the work comes back, you'll be the first call, we'll call you back, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no problem. Look, yeah. force majeure, things happen, you know. This is uh, extenuating circumstances, so no issues. Yeah, And the, the process uh, with approvals, you know, with our time and uh, what we were going to be paid for started very quickly uh, from the from the shell side, uh, uh, from our agent side, not not so quickly. Like we were supposed to be paid in five days and, and it ended up taking uh, between two to three weeks uh, for for the both of us to be fully paid on on that part. Mm-hmm. Uh and it was, you know, we we also told told him before we left. Look, we we have uh, we have taken on ourselves a lot of expenses coming here, paying for the visas, getting ourselves here, being in the country. Now we're going to be spending I don't know how much time in Turkey. Uh, we need uh, some support here, so yeah. we need you to take care of the financial side as quickly as possible. And yeah, the feet were just really uh, dragged on uh, on that. Oh, uh, did we lose you? Well, oh no. Over. Oh, you're there. You're yeah, back. Okay, you're back. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. we gotcha. Okay, so yeah, so things seem things seem to uh, drag on, uh, and. To get paid, as we finally got Shell involved, though my the agent told me, he said, this is not their problem. I said, well, look, it's somebody's problem. Uh, you are the contract agent. You've got documents, which are called bridging documents, which say you have to act by their policies, Shell's mm-hmm. policies, who are the contract owner. So... If you're not doing the same thing that they're doing, well, somebody is off and we need to make that match. So I basically went to them and said, help, can you please assist our agent in getting us paid? Uh, Because this can't continue. Yes, I I know it's not your problem directly because you've subcontracted us, but any help would be uh, appreciated. So that part, yeah, taking... uh, taken care of, uh, you know, like I said, in two to three weeks time. But I'd like to, I want to point out that, you know, it's, it's, it is strange that in uh, a global pandemic, an emergency, uh, that people aren't, you know, in those three weeks time that we're in, uh, that we're in Turkey, nobody from the agency is sending us any messages saying, are you guys okay? Has yeah. anybody kind of contracted COVID? You know, what's what's going on there? So there's sort of a, a lack of, just a total lack of disregard wow. is, is the feeling that, that we both had from 
from uh, from the agent side at that point anyway. And I brought it up to uh, to Shell Nigeria. I said, you know, this is constructive criticism. I hope people learn from this. This is not something I'm saying negative about this agency. This is something that needs to be addressed so yeah. it doesn't happen to other people. You know, so so hopefully people can learn from from this. Yeah. I was going to say that's the big thing too at the end of the day where you're 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 looking back at the situation and it's like at least like we had you know the at least the frame of mind to get through this but you know imagine someone else in the situation where their agent is just more or less leaving them in the dust and giving them I don't want to say misinformation but I mean when one person's telling you that there's a mandatory evacuation and then your agent's telling you, oh, no, you're good. Keep barbecuing, keep grilling. It's going to be great. Gonna, you know, it'll be out on well site, you know, next week. It, it's that's that's something that can't happen. That's something. Yeah, that's, correct. Yeah, correct. Agree totally. Uh, this specific situation, I mean, two. there's there's obviously two. Uh, organizations that are on different pages right mm -hmm. there's they're looking at different things you know and that's why uh, i mean one of the reasons that operators around the world hire contract agents are because uh, so liability for one yeah and that is something that they don't have to put on their books you know mm -hmm. uh, but in saying that they're they're also bridging documents. I know I've written the, I've written the things for service companies and drilling contractors that actually match up to, you know, the Shell, Exxon, BP, their, their policies that are written into the contract agents policy. So mm -hmm. this is a simple, uh, negligence, you know, a personal negligence, you know, and, yeah. and it's not a, I, I wouldn't say this is a, a, a even a regional problem this is this is a personal with mm -hmm. that company problem thing you know yeah Whew. right so you're you're managing your way out of it could have it could have been worse it sounds like you ended up you know in greece and kind of managing this transition time yeah what? we we ended up we ended up uh we ended up in turkey and and uh i, I guess the the bad thing uh, or the worst thing were, were the uncertainties of when things were going to open up. Um, when was airspace going to open up in Turkey for one? Uh, that, but when was, yeah, when were foreigners going to be allowed or residents in Vietnam was the second facet. Hmm. So those uh, goalposts, they just kept moving, you know, every two weeks. Turkey would, uh, maybe they were going to open May, say 15th at one time. Then they would, May 14th would come and they would say, ah, oh, we just pushed it back to June 10th now. So we have this type of uh, uncertainty and, and lockdowns, uh, like four day lockdowns where you couldn't leave the hotel room. So those type of things were going on, you know, during this, uh, this time and while we were in Bodrum. So of course it wasn't just a a, uh, a sit tight and things are normal, you know. Right. There were some. Yeah. There were definitely some some things going on which weren't allowing normal normal travels to take place. 
Um, Any chance you you went to the uh, big mud volcano in Azerbaijan? No, we didn't make it to Azerbaijan because they were <laughs> shut down already. That's one country I haven't made it to yet. Oh, man. All right. <coughs> Something to you check out. Yeah, yeah. Something to definitely check out. Biggest, big-ass mud volcano that operators are drilling into. Uh, man, okay. So let's let's do this. How did you get home? Yep. So uh, after three and a half months in Turkey, um, we did, well, after, after two months, two months in Turkey, we did approach our agent and, uh, and shell back and ask for a duty of care. You know, basically, uh, we're still on contract until we're, we're returned home. Mm. Uh, even though contract was canceled, we're, we're not back to our point of origin yet. So please give us some assistance, you yeah. know, pay our expenses at, at bare minimum i was but gonna say because you guys stand, have been in a standard is like a you know a day rate or a standby rate yeah mm-hmm. uh, i was gonna say you guys are staying came, in a hotel uh, room for how many days at this point uh for nine months you yeah. know that is costly it's costly for nine months yeah uh, nine months yes yeah it's a wild man <laughs> How many gyros? How many gyros did you eat? <laughs> Are they called gyros? Oh, you, gyro? Some, yeah, gyros. That's the most American thing you've said today. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take Euro. 10 gyros, please. <laughs> Extra sauce. <laughs> right. Uh. <laughs> So, so we approach, uh, we approach our agent to give us some support. Yeah. Um, we're told, of course, the, the contract is, is canceled guys. There's no support. Well, we're not home yet. So we need to talk about something. So we went to, uh, when we went to shell, the general managers there and, and the well ops managers there in shell, Nigeria. And we said, Hey, you know, we expect to be treated like any other contractor, full-time employee. We were we're stranded in an emergency situation. We're not returned home yet. Can you help us? Plain and simple. Uh, and we were given like what was equivalent of $125 a day through that point. And that was that was the help that we were going to get basically we were given a lump sum it was deposited as an, and uh, and then we were basically just left on our own nobody nobody checked up on us after may 11th <clears throat> so uh when airspace opened in turkey we actually flew back to istanbul uh where we were going to depart from we uh, forced our agent to reinstate our tickets through Qatar Airways. Uh, all, the only thing we needed to do is get a PCR test, another COVID, you know, up the nose swab. Ah, fucking burn. Throat. Yeah. And, uh, and we had arranged our, our uh, visa to Cambodia since they had, a, in the meantime, they had opened uh, doors to Americans. 
Okay. So basically, uh, June, what would that have been? Like June 11th, I think we flew back to Istanbul. Uh, and we stayed there for 10 days, found our hospital to get the test done, you know, results back in 48 hours and, uh, and arranged our flights and, uh, and we flew to Cambodia from there, uh, with the intention that we could probably get across the border land border, you know, we could, we could make some arrangements some way, but, uh, five months later, we, we still weren't able to, to make those arrangements. We, uh, we tried to cross the border once with some, what we thought was uh, legitimate help, but uh, it turned out that we were just turned back away and we went back to Phnom Penh. Uh, but yeah, lots of, uh, time and Man. seeing, Every uh, every city in Cambodia, you know, just on a bus going around, because what do you what do you fill your time with when, you know, I, was, I guess we were both of us were literally uh, 200 kilometers, you know, 100 miles, or yeah, not even, or, yeah, I guess 100 110 miles from our doorstep in Cambodia, but uh, unable to to cross the border. So, uh, yeah, that's when, did what, uh, that's what, when did you get home? Uh, I got home on Sunday, this past Sunday night on what? the, on the 11th, was it? I flew into, uh, Vietnam on the 30th. Yeah. I landed in Vietnam on the 30th and I had to do two weeks of hotel quarantine, which just meant me in a hotel room alone like with no contact um and then i got a flight home uh sunday night that was my 15th day of quarantine oh my god so just uh just back actually yeah just back three 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 days pre-quarantine how easy is it to cross the uh vietnam cambodia border if you were just drive across is it is it pretty pretty standard or is it oh uh, before pre pre uh covid yeah yeah, pre Oh, for sure. For sure. Okay. It's it's me like uh going to the border with my passport, uh getting a visa on arrival in five minutes, stamp going through. I mean, oh. it is just that simple. And yeah, I shouldn't probably shouldn't say this, but uh locals they cross the border illegally daily, you know, because they don't have their ID or, or something of that nature, you know. They just yeah get on a motorbike and go around on the trail that goes around the border station. (laughs) So it is quite easy legally, legally and, uh, and the other direction, but yeah, Yeah. it used to be very simple. Okay. Now it's, uh, now it's not so simple. Man. I mean, so incredible story. You persevered, you made it through it. It could have been, a lot worse, obviously, but it's, you know, something to think about. And certainly from your perspective, as you travel the world for work and experiencing these incredible opportunities that you would have no other chance of getting, uh, you don't get that year back. You don't get your 2020 back. That could have been spent a lot differently in the situation you were in. So that, that can't rather be. yeah rather than staying in hotel rooms and then traveling 
to whatever weird spots you can that are still open wherever you are, whether you're in Turkey, right. Greece, or Cambodia. Just, oh, man. It's, uh, no, that's, you know, the, I've always had a, a focus on, uh, on time management. It's one of my pet peeves, you know, and, and, and people will hear me say a lot, a lot of, a lot about lost time on LinkedIn because, you know, once uh, a second goes by that you don't use, you lost it effing forever. Yeah. You can't get that back. So absolutely. It's a, uh, you know, I, I, the, the most hilarious part, and it's not really, it's more like a sick hilarious part of the whole thing is uh, I had both of us on a, a, a verbal agreement on a contract in Vietnam here doing like a similar work program when we landed in Turkey. Mm-hmm. And the guy said, all you have to do is get home and both of you will have work for the next six months. So it was, you know, okay, all we got to do is get home. This contract canceled, but another opportunity just opened up. Right. So yeah, that was the, that was sort of the, the most hilariously sick part about the whole thing is there was a work here. We just couldn't, we just couldn't, couldn't get, get to here. it. Wow. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I didn't, uh, it wasn't nine months of just sitting in room doing nothing. Like I, I built, uh, I built my own website for my, for my, uh, consulting company, uh, which I'm also going to use as a vehicle to, to bring some niche service companies into Vietnam. So that's been sort of something that I've had in the, on the back burner for a long time now. So it gave me an opportunity to do that. Sure. Uh, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of uh, thinking, and I, I was just saying to uh, to a friend the other day. There's still a lot of lessons that I'm unpacking, you know, in my own my in my own mind. Mm. But I'm I'm trying to take it from the standpoint of uh, of what I learned versus being like bitter about the way shit went down. Yeah, because that it doesn't that that part doesn't get anybody anywhere. No, that's right. I mean, so, like you self-loathing and then pointing the finger at you know everything right that's that's not going to get you anywhere that's right. just going to put exactly. you into a deeper and deeper hole man yeah, exactly. get, and guess what everybody's fucking try, you know ah, yeah. I blame that I, I, it was this it was that Everybody. Uh, no, no this is self-reflection time this is yeah. you know i think this is the moral uh, of 2020 uh, absolutely yeah. 2020 the yeah, year no, of self-reflection uh, yeah, i was saying to a friend of mine in canada uh, I was talking to a guy uh, two weeks ago who's been living in his car in the UAE. He's from Portugal. His family's in Portugal. He's like not had a job in 16 months. Mm. He doesn't eat for like three, four days at a time because he can't afford to buy food. And he can't sell the car because he's got fines from the government there that don't allow him to sell the car. And I'm like, man, I'm home. Yeah. You're you're in a much worse situation than yeah. I could even imagine that I've been in for the last nine months. So, yeah, it's everywhere. People are uh, people are definitely uh, affected globally. Yeah. Well, man, what a I mean, that's a hell of a drill down. We haven't had anything like that since we started this show, man. And and twenty that's. 
that's an, it's just incredible. It's incredible that you just got home. Uh, I, I, I should have realized that maybe through our text and, and made that correlation, but I was thinking, oh, he's, you know, you said you were in Vietnam and, and you were just going more south. And I'm like, oh, maybe he's there for a while, travel, whatever it was. I didn't put it together that the, this was home, home. Right. So let's go I'm into all, the. Well, <laughs> You're home, home now. We are in yep. the, we are technically in the completion part of the PBE podcast now with Grant Pierce. And sir, we just went through that incredible journey of 2020 with you. We, we got to reflect with you. We got to see the kind of person you are, your attitude, which I believe is 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 the best thing about this show. You have a great attitude yeah. for what happened, and uh, and I think it's inspirational what you what you're doing now, with all that behind you. How are you recycling all that into motivation for the moment right now and and moving forward? What are you what are you what are you up to? Uh, I am picking up where I left off, uh, when I went to work for Shell back in March, uh, just making myself available for anything and everything. Uh, I've been asked to move ahead with getting some new businesses started here in Vietnam. Mm. Uh, I'm looking at projects coming forward, uh, Starting to see a lot more tenders, actually, uh, even in the last week, like daily. Globally, uh, tenders are coming forward. So uh, I think we're seeing some positive signs. Nice. Uh, Not talking about swiping right. You're talking about jobs. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And the oil and gas business in general, you know, uh, tenders are starting to come forward. So I, I think that's very positive for all of us still involved in oil and gas business, for sure. So, uh, not not to not yeah, to cut you off. Focusing on uh, focusing on the the lessons that I learned, and like I said, still trying to, I, I still unpacking all those lessons. Uh, but yeah, I, persistence uh, is definitely something that people need to 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 key on. You need to be persistent to to do things in this day and age i i think really in, in any day and age if you're not persistent with something um then you don't get things done but mm-hmm. put, put pretty simply so so just to not to cut you off again but just to understand uh, how oil and gas works in in vietnam is it similar to kind of the u.s where it's you have the government leasing it to these public companies or is there kind of a national oil company and then they hire these contractors or it is a it is a national uh, oil company and then they go in with like as a partner you know as a joint venture as a uh yeah similar similar to a joint venture there's a few different modes where they will like uh partner with chevron or uh talisman or hess or you know exxon mobil the majors gotcha. and the majors do exist here there there's a lot of uh there's a lot of partnerships in in vietnam it's a it's a a small uh percentage you know compared to say malaysia where there's where there's i would say a considerable amount more of work but but it is a large portion of the economy here so it's gotcha. important uh, I guess one more thing that I that, I, that I've definitely learned uh, specifically for contract people, 
make sure you read your contracts and you know your your uh, contracts and what documents exist. Yeah. You know, make sure that uh, your agent has those bridging documents to the owner, which is the operator, and everybody is on the same page and clear with uh, what happens if some emergency situation like COVID-19 pops up and everybody has to uh, be evacuated last minute. Because, yeah, if, if those things aren't, uh, if your contract uh, details aren't clear, then that muddies the water later on, like us, you know, nine months later, still with uh, no closure on this whole affair. <laughs> so that was a, that is definitely a major lesson that I, that I have to mention. And, and I put, I wrote an article on, on LinkedIn about it as well. Mm-hmm. You know, these, uh, these small, these details, they might be small during normal oil and gas cycles <clears throat> when the business is up. But yeah, smaller or, or like down, not even non-applicable like in correct. Some, yeah correct man uh i'm gonna throw up a map it's the one on my back i'm gonna ask you where the coolest place uh that you've drilled was i want to know what part of the world was the coolest place to be out on offshore offshore where are we going You know, my probably my favorite place uh, to work uh, is still West Africa. I I worked in uh, Angola, yeah. Then this trip to Nigeria, Luanda, uh, Mauritania, and Congo. I still, yeah. I, for for some for some uh, reason. Chaotic places play well with me. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm somebody who, uh, the more challenging the place, I guess, the the better it is for for my personality. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I would still say I would still say there. I mean, obviously, the place that that I settled is uh, is the most important to me now. It's, it's Vietnam, mm-hmm. uh, but but Asia Pacific in general is a is a is a great place to to work beautiful place to work as well where the heck is vietnam it is south of china yeah just south of china just up from malaysia is it on is it on that thing yeah zoom out zoom out got a lot of cracks of the world on this i know i'm trying to i'm trying to look through all the faults (laughs) that's Uh... the tip of china right there where the heck's Vietnam? Nah, Vietnam that's it, would that's be right where your that's it where your arrow is right now. Right here, yeah, a little bit further south, I think. Oh yeah, like there. Oh, this thing right here. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah. you live on the plate tectonic equator, man. Yes. <laughs> what? Wow. We had to throw geology in here at some point. That was uh. Where are they? <laughs> we're uh, we're like, yeah, the most consistent. Uh, daylight hours, daylight, uh, you know, dark versus daylight. It's it, it's from 12 hours to 13 hours and like 15 minutes all year long. So, so we only have an hour and 15 minutes of uh, of change. We're, we're that close to the equator. 
so just uh because i because i completely forgot because uh i brain farted so you said you live in the southern end of vietnam so like towards like ho chi minh like if if you look where ho chi minh is i live in a, in a place called uh vong tao it's like uh due east on all the way on the coast from ho chi okay. minh city so it's an hour and a half by by road from ho chi minh city to uh to vong tao to home gotcha that's wow. awesome that is yeah. awesome I've only I've had a bunch of friends visit Vietnam and they've all told me that it is, you know, it, it was one of their best, like the tourist, even on the tourist side, it was one of the best places they've ever visited as far as just beauty, the people, the I mean, just everything about it. It's a growing, uh, it is, a, it, it's, it's still uh, like uh, enough behind uh, a company or a, a country like Thailand that is very touristic. Mm -hmm. uh, where their economy is is a lot based on it it's still a little bit behind uh thailand so it's more comfortable i, I guess mm -hmm. to me uh but also yeah it's moving like the economy is moving at the speed of light it yeah. is it is crazy how fast uh things move here and and not in not in like day-to-day uh, -day life i mean it is people do things and work is done like oil and gas wise, not, you know, coming from the Gulf of Mexico where you get shit done, you have to, you know, that's what you're taught. Do, 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 do now, you know, here, here was a hundred percent change where I say I came in and I went like, do, do, do. And they looked at me like, we don't do that here. <laughs> you, tell, you just tell me do and uh, 12 hours later I'll do. Or, yeah. you know, we'll get it done when we get to it sort of yeah. thing. So it is a, a relaxed uh, atmosphere, but the economy is, yeah, it's just growing crazy yeah. fast. Wow. What's the strength of the economy of Vietnam? What is that? Is it metals? Uh, uh, well, uh, actually, a lot of uh, electronic manufacturing just moved from, uh, from China. Uh, Samsung and Apple have major uh, manufacturing facilities here. Wow. Uh, clothing uh, manufacturers, of course, the uh, the farming industry, uh, you know, a lot a lot gets exported and uh, and coffee. Uh, well, yeah, that, that is a purely a Vietnamese thing. But yeah, there's they're like I think they're the number one, at least number two exporter of uh, coffee in the world okay. now. So. Yeah, it's I, I a lot of a lot of manufacturing, uh, definitely on the electronic side, uh, moved here. Hmm. Uh, even, well, especially within the last nine months, ten months, yeah. due to wow. uh, due to this whole COVID uh, craziness, well, and, so uh, and the fact that that Vietnam they they sort of uh, controlled things very quickly. I mean, we had uh, Chinese New Year uh, in the beginning of February here, and our children were off school for two weeks for that, and they never opened back up school uh, due to COVID. Then they said, "Okay, stay home, kids. We are we're going to start like doing uh, due diligence." You know, they weren't blocking planes or cars or any of that, but they were starting to sort of uh, make make plans to yeah. you know in case something happened they didn't want to be overwhelmed yeah they so, got ahead uh, of it that's good. they got ahead of it yeah yeah wow 
Man, it's interesting to think about uh, why oil and gas is uh, is kind of coming back. It seems like in, you know, investment communities kind of getting excited about it again. Mm-hmm. Operators are starting to think about picking up assets, and you're seeing some movement for sure. Uh, service companies are starting to hire again. It's it's definitely getting interesting. And then you raised the uh, uh, an interesting point to that is, you know, you start moving manufacturing two different countries. I mean, the amount of energy it takes to keep all this going efficiently, uh, relying on the stable energy of hydrocarbon, it seems like we're going to have a great rebound from this and and we're going to be able to come right back into the game and move everything forward. And it's not going to be just this crazy knee-jerk reaction that, that COVID makes it feel like it is. I feel like there's some like let's put our foot on on the oil and gas industry's head while it's down with this COVID shutdown and we don't need hydrocarbons as much anymore and the global demand will never be the same. I don't think so, folks. Got a little ahead of ourselves here. Yeah. <laughs> Especially think, once the I machine think, starts uh, rolling again. For sure. I mean, you know, so much uh so many things around us are made from uh petroleum products or pipe byproducts of petroleum so this this thing this machine is not uh going going away quickly by any means um uh definitely the oversupply you know versus demand thing during covid that's what that's what really threw things into a, a tailspin yeah uh, was we were we had so much supply and, and then no demand with no planes flying yeah well, I mean, like, but yeah, the top- what we what's happened is that's that's come from 2015. You know, it was already a cycle from 2015. So basically, we had almost five years, with the exception of 2017, 2018, okay years. We had five years of times where we did less exploration drilling than we did, you know, in in uh, many years. So we're deficient in that those the amount of wells that we've now explored for and, and new plays over this last year. So I, I think now what we're seeing is that of of uh, operators going, oh shit! Uh, now when the supply does uh, pick back up, where after the supply starts running, where are we getting all these new plays that we should have been exploring for? So I think that's sort of what we're seeing with the new tenders, you know, coming coming forward right now. I hope I'm uh, I hope I'm right on that anyway. I mean, it, there there sure are a lot of a lot of signs. I, you know, I've heard of half a dozen in the last week. You know, at different uh, parts of the world. So that's uh, completely opposite of what I thought. You know, I thought 21 was going to be like a a really drag ass year you know, and a, a very uh, hard hit year, which which would take, you know, maybe even two years, three years to recover. But but also due to the fact that so many people are, are now, you know, gone from the industry, they're not coming back. They're tired of the ups and downs of, uh, of, of what it's done. And this is, uh, according to a friend of mine, Tom McRae, in uh in scott or he's in i think he's sitting in california now but he's he's scottish he said in 40 years of uh oil and gas this is the worst downturn he's ever seen mm-hmm. you know, he he estimated 300,000 globally 
and I would say, you know, three to 400,000 people affected. And that's just oil and gas people. So, yeah, whatever percentage uh, stays out and the percentage that stays, you know, that stayed in, the people, the ones of us that stayed in, I think, are, are going to have a positive year to look forward to uh, this coming year. Yeah. Agreed, man. Well, I... I have certainly enjoyed this uh, this show with you. We've come to the end of the completion segment of the PBE podcast with Grant Pierce, and your story was incredible. It was uh, it was an honor to share this time with you, and thank you for enlightening me and and giving me some inspiration for 2021, man. Thanks so much for for having me on. That was uh, this was super enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. I've, this was a blast. like I said, first time that I've uh, really told the story to to anybody, uh, especially in this form. But but uh, yeah, have even told the full story to. So it's uh, interesting. I, I appreciate you guys' time as well.